Keith Flay, it's really an honor to be a part of the show and um, really appreciate what you guys are doing and uh, the ministry of teaching others to teach. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this. Uh, I grew up in Louisiana all my life, born and raised here in Louisiana. Uh, I grew up the son of a home missions pastor. And um, through growing up in a small country town, I've seen um, my share of ministry. And uh, now that I am a man, uh, God has placed us in a place. Uh, we are uh, currently serving in the role as assistant pastors to Pastor Tony Spell and Baton Rouge. Um, and if anyone is not familiar with our church, uh, the large thrust of who we are as a church is a revival, uh, evangelistic church, uh, running buses, uh, doing outreach, and obviously the main thrust is teaching home Bible studies. And uh, we've been here in Baton Rouge for the last six years, and uh, it's just excited to be a servant in the kingdom of God. Tell us about what your ministerial life is like behind the scenes. How many Bible studies are you teaching? What does it look like? What's the boots on the ground look like for you right now? Uh, for me, um, most of who I am is what people don't see is uh, the best way I can explain that. Um, God has afforded us in, in the recent uh, years. We've been out traveling the country preaching um, from church to church and um, even in the conference, conference scene. Um, but who I, I feel that I, I enjoy being the most um is a servant and reaching others, uh, reaching people, trying to win them to God and trying to disciple them. Um, as a minister, uh, my, my, I would say ministry began just being a servant in any capacity I could in the very first time, uh, being a part of Life Tabernacle Church. Uh, I did already have a calling on my life to preach, and um, I, had, I had even been ordained as a minister um, but I had not sought the pulpit. I had not asked to preach. Um, I just wanted to help the church in any way I can. And the very first thing I did was jump on a Sunday school bus with my pastor who was driving the bus, uh, which is atypical of, um, of what you would imagine a pastor doing. But what it did was is it instilled a servant's heart into me to care more about people than to care, than care about my ministry. And so with that, um, obviously, uh, the apex of evangelism is not just getting them to church, but keeping them in church. Right. And so we st we started teaching home Bible studies. My wife and I, um, we are we are a very comfortable team together. Uh, we've, although I have taught in in some capacities one on one with people, and I enjoy one on one sessions. I've also found that me and my wife teaching couples together has been very effective uh, for us in in home Bible study teaching. And so. That's where I am when I am not preaching. Um, I just recently uh, have, have had a transition. Uh, my wife and I used to have a bus route of our own where we would outreach and knock doors uh, for that route, uh, bringing 30 to 40 people on average to church every Sunday, uh, teaching Bible studies during the week when I'm home, and uh, preaching on the weekend. So what people see social media-wise from other churches, uh, they don't see the backside of the mountain. Uh, when I'm back at home. So that's what I love doing the most. That's awesome. So on average, so I happen to know that you, you're you an environmental scientist, right? Yes, uh, I, I have a degree in environmental biology and uh, I currently work for the State Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Um, and so I do have uh, what people could, would consider a secular job. Um, and um, 
God has afforded me that I have a great schedule working only four days a week. And so my weekends are free for preaching and uh, my, my day, my weekdays are free for teaching Bible studies. So I do um, work full time in addition to the other ministerial duties at the church. Wow. So you're so you're working, you're teaching Bible studies with your wife, you're you're preaching out on the weekends. What would you say is the biggest challenge in trying to balance all of that? Um, I think for me, I, I, I know most people would, would say, man, for to have a schedule like that, it, your hardest, um, I guess the hardest thing for you must be time management. Um, I'm a little weird in some ways. I'm very meticulous, probably OCD in a lot of ways. Uh, and time is not one of the things I struggle with. I, I tend to be uh, overly organized, and so my struggle is not time. Um, I would say my my uh, managing stress levels. Um, I, I I do believe that there's a such a such thing as burnout. Maybe some people wouldn't subscribe to that idea, and so I do moderate the amount that I do. Um, when I say I'm teaching Bible studies during the week, I do not exceed two Bible studies um, during the week. Uh, I keep myself under that threshold um, to use wisdom, knowing that I am human. Um, and I, I can't be everywhere at the same time, but I feel doing what I can um, with the time that God has allowed me to, to share my time with people is the best thing that I can do. And so I do limit myself. So I would say that the greatest thing that I try to do is manage just manage stress of going from here to there and just the, the continuous uh, hustle and bustle of going from one place to another is what I try to keep myself focused on. Well, wow, actually, um, you you probably have heard it, but um, Brother Prado and I have talked to, actually talked about this, and two seems like a good number for someone who's working, um, you know, a, a, a job full time and got a family, and so Absolutely. it's it's actually really nice to hear, you know, that coming the feedback coming from that, you know, from someone who's actually applying that 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 rule to kind of regulate you know the quality of you know their performance and also keep the 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 stress as you said so absolutely what would you say is has been your greatest motivation for teaching bible studies my greatest motivation um for teaching bible studies in the immediate would be my pastor um pastor spell uh on a weekly basis uh, may average 13 Bible studies. Wow. Um, and that's, and that's, that's on a slow week. You know, sometimes, uh, people due to their schedules, um, they can't, they can't meet. Um, but I've watched my pastor teach hundreds and hundreds of Bible studies. Uh, and he's a nonstop go energizing buddy, just a human machine, Bible study, teaching machine, preaching machine. And he's been my greatest, my greatest inspiration, um, to watch a man of God that I look up to. Uh, pour himself into people. Uh, when I was a young minister, uh, I was in a church service, and I had a preacher. Um, he ministered into my life, and he, he, he pretty much went down the line telling me that God had big plans for me and, and, and that God had placed me under a man of God to learn. And he said that God's going to open up doors in your ministry. Um, he said, but you have to stay tethered to being a servant. He said, I don't. God, God wants me to tell you, don't. Don't worry about your ministry. You just serve others, and ministry will take care of itself. Right. And I've tried. I've tried to live by that uh, to see people and not see the pulpit, and to see hearts and see souls. 
uh, and my pastor has been has been the greatest strength and motivation to, for me to see him doing that day in and day out. And obviously, I can't do that in, in that capacity. He's a pastor full time, um, but it keeps me it keeps me with the right mindset to say, although I have so much in my schedule, there's no such thing as being too busy to spend time with a soul. So I I, I look up to him greatly for that. Well, so your answer really isn't really a what, it's a who. It's a who. Well, I think that's very, very important for, you know, for people to have an example, you know, who's actually doing it. And I think it's doubly more powerful when it is their pastor. You know, that's powerful. Um, yeah, I'll say, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I was about, I was about to add one thing. You, you, you differentiated between a what and a who. Uh, obviously, us being saved, our first priority should be to want to have other people saved. It's not just the idea of I'm saved and that's it, but yeah. to reach others and disciple disciples is the goal. And so if you have a servant's heart, um, that motivation to win souls should be there already Amen. because Jesus commanded us to go ye therefore and to be witnesses and to, and to, and to preach into all the world. And so that, that part for me is easy, but the motivation, um, is, is so much in a who because I, I cannot say that there are a lot of people um, that are in the Pentecostal apostolic realm that are teaching Bible studies that are effective that I know personally. Uh, not saying that I don't know a lot of people personally because I do have plenty of friends that have the same mindset, but to have someone so close to me that I can glean from that, that energy and to glean from, from that, that, that spirit um, it's something that keeps me going. So I, I think I have the what down, but the who keeps me motivated for sure. What do you feel like are challenges that are specific to teaching Bible studies in that part of the country? Oh, that's a very uh, plain question for me. Um, <laughs> my, I'll give you a story. My very first time uh, giving an experience, or having an experience with home Bible studies, I was in the sixth grade, so I was about 13 years old. Wow. And um, there was a young lady that moved from San Francisco, California, to a small country town. Um, and we rode the same bus. We lived in the same city. And she noticed that my family was different. We went to a public school, so my, my sisters would wear dresses when everyone was dressed differently. And um, she noticed the difference in my family. And she, she mentioned, she said, I assume that you believe in God. and. I had never encountered a question like that because I live in the Bible Belt. Everyone goes to church. Everyone believes in God. Everybody has a religion. Um, and so I was kind of taken back by that question as in, you don't believe in God? And she, she mentioned that she just wasn't sure, you know, wasn't sure. And uh, I was, uh, although I was 13, I'd been raised in church and been a pastor's son, so I had a, a decent grasp of the Bible, but I didn't know what to tell her or how to talk to her about it. And my mom is my other motivation that she's a Bible study teacher. And she had the very first search for truth chart that she said, well, you need to teach her a Bible study. And I was like, I can't teach her a Bible study. I don't know how to teach a Bible study. And my mom actually sat down with me. Wow. And, um, and she, she helped me teach my very first Bible study when I was 13. I'll never forget it. And um, some years later kind of makes me sad. I uh, just graduated from college and got the news that, that that young lady that I had started witnessing to was killed in an accident. Oh, my. Um, but, but it made me feel so good to know that at an early age, God had begun to move on me to help to start reaching people as quickly as you can 
because you just never know. And so um, for me being in the Bible Belt, I feel like I've, I've gathered both sides of the fence, that I understand the, the agnostic and atheistic mindset that comes with more liberal communities. Um, but here, the greatest challenge, and I, I, I went a long way around to get to where I am. No, this is good. Here, here the greatest challenge is trying to break down the conformity of, of stale religion, uh, traditional ideas of families, um, because everyone here has a family that's been rooted in some type of form of religion. The only, the only non-religious or church religious uh, culture that we have is we have a lot of voodoo and witchcraft, and that's, that's prominent in, in Louisiana in the South. Um, but I, I would say trying to gauge yourself with wisdom to understand that that these people believe in God, they just don't have a revelation of who God really is, and understand the truth of baptism and salvation and holiness. And I would say the great the greatest challenge is not getting them to understand God, but getting them to understand who we serve in all His and all the fullness of the Godhead and, and all His truth. Um, and it is a challenge. It absolutely is a challenge. Uh, it is not. It is not uh, uncommon to walk up to a door, knock on that door, and be excited to hand out a church flyer, and someone tells you, "I already go to church," and slam the door in your face. It's yeah. not uncommon to, to feel that, and it uh, it can be a challenge because it's, it's kind of how do you break down that wall of someone who's so entrenched in a religious uh, system that they've been raised in to let them know that if they don't repent, if they don't, if they don't. Get, get get a hold of the truth that they won't be saved, and it's very difficult. Very difficult. Wow. Yeah, now that's completely opposite of what we deal with here, to say the least. Um, yeah. You know, we deal with a lot of, you know, um, just complete godlessness, you know. Um, but as but the truth is, and you know, in the eyes of somebody else, you know, someone might slam the door in your face out here because they don't want God. And in the South, mm-hmm. you're saying they might slam the door in your face because they already have God. They already have God. <laughs> they know God and don't you know? know anymore so, in their mind. Yeah, no, that's that's just interesting. It's something I've always wanted to really ask you. Like, what do you feel is the greatest challenge? Okay, got it. So now, moving on, um, you know, it definitely seems to me in in, in, the, in the last several months that I believe Bible studies are truly becoming um, mainstream again, and particularly with with young preachers. Um, yes. Why do you believe that it's important for young preachers to teach Bible studies? Uh, I, I believe, and I'm going to answer your question in the way that it's framed, um, because I believe that all preachers should teach Bible studies, yeah. personally speaking. Um, it... it for young preachers, it does two things. It helps you navigate the pulpit with a sensitivity that there are souls that need to be saved. Um, for a very long time uh, in Pentecost, in early American westernized uh, movements of the apostolic church, you know, it used to be the days of tent meetings and camp meeting revivals where preachers would preach seven days a week and everybody would gather under a tent and people would get the Holy Ghost and people would get saved. But even in those days, the model and the plan, the outline plan for discipleship 
has kind of been left left out to dry um, because for a long time people would come and there would be instant conversions and people would get saved. But we live in a different society now where people are so much more informed. People have so much more access to data and information and and it doesn't take much to get on Google and start and start inputting question marks and get answers that may not be biblical answers because everyone has a Wikipedia and everyone has a search engine. And so I think for young preachers, sitting down with someone, opening up the word of God and, and going in and out of the fabrics of, of scripture allows you to be well-versed in the word of God, allows you to be able to connect with people and allows you to understand that my ministry as a as a preacher surpasses what happens in the pulpit. Right. And I, I know I know that that is that that idea is contradictory to many um, because for some uh, evangelism and and for lack of a better term the truck and trailer evangelism of going church to church. What it does in many cases it, it, is it edifies the body, and the Bible does talk about the fivefold ministry: uh, some pastors, some teachers, some prophets, some evangelists, and and all these things. And that is for the edification of the saints. But the even greater mode of evangelism is the house-to-house conversion of the New Testament church. That they went from house to house in singleness of heart. That they were in people's homes. And I believe that you are a more effective preacher when you can teach a Bible study and you have the Word of God flowing in and out of you, scriptures flowing out of your mouth, flowing out of your heart, because the Word of God, the Word of God is so powerful, and when you get it inside of you, there's nothing can take it out of you. I've started teaching Bible studies, more Bible studies, and it, it has sharpened me in ways that I, I can't really even fully describe, and so I would 100% agree that really it, it, it starts across you know somebody's dinner table um, so following that what do you think would happen if if uh, young preachers who teach Bible studies were to just stop teaching Bible studies if young preachers <laughs> if young preachers would stop teaching Bible studies well let's make it I, personal for you okay. how how would your life, how would the way you feel, your mind, your spirit, what do you think would be the aftermath if you stopped teaching Bible studies? I fear, and this is a transparent answer, I feel that if I stopped teaching Bible studies, uh, my ministry would become a selfish ministry. Um, because, because when I would step in the pulpit, it's about my sermon. It's about my message. It's about this revival that I'm in. And I don't want to be that preacher. I want to be the preacher that feels after the heart of God to find out where people are hurting, to reach and connect to people. Um, I think teaching Bible studies opens up a whole new uh, Pandora's box, if you, if what have you, um, of wisdom from the Word of God. I don't know how many I don't I've never, I've talked to preachers and we there's different uh, settings and, and how preachers go about studying how preachers go about um, they're preparing for sermons uh, for a minister like myself that works a full-time job um, and and preaches on weekends and and, and does Bible studies um, I am not using this as as an excuse 
but I am not, I, I do not have the luxury of having time that most young preachers that are traveling evangelists have to sit down and study with a, with a fine tooth comb the Word of God like they have time. Now, I'm not saying I don't do that, but my, my digging out in the Word of God comes from teaching Bible studies, and that as I'm teaching, there's revelations that blow my mind, things that, that God showed me, and it's like, wow, I've read this scripture ten times in Bible study, and I've never seen it like that before. The illumination of God's Word is hashed out more and more the more you teach Bible studies. And I think if I were to stop teaching Bible studies, I would lose my source of, of, of wisdom from the Word of God and lose that source of, of passion for others. I really feel that I would become selfish. Wow. So, so the, so the, right. So you said the first thing you said you would feel like personally it, your, your ministry would take a more self-centered Approach, yeah, it'd be and then it would be about me at that at that point. And you would also feel uh, like you would lose an edge in your preaching. Absolutely. Wow. Um, I, I'll I'll say something that, that that's probably not known to many people. Um, there was a time um, in which in which I I stepped away from serving from serving God in my younger years, around eighteen to twenty or so. And um, I was I was people that heard that heard my testimony. I was driven. I did not want to be a preacher. I was on my path, my own path, to want to be a professional baseball player. And Brother Keith Flay, there were times um, that I can remember I would spend hours and hours and hours in a batting cage and swinging off a tee, trying to perfect the swing for the purpose that when I stepped into a batter's box, I would not have to think about hitting a fastball. It just would happen. Yeah. And what God has done to me, God began to convict me uh, personally, I would not divide this for any other preacher unless God has dealt with you in this. But about three years ago, um, God began to deal with me, and I was on my face in prayer, and he asked me, he said, how much time did you devote to playing a game that did not have any bearing on eternity? And I began to think about every training session, my diet, the hours and hours of practice, and, he, and I felt like God spoke to me and said, if you dedicate yourself to me, and your time of reading and consecration to the Word of God, that I'll put the Word, I'll put that that Word in you. And so, if anyone's been in in a setting that I've preached in, uh, I don't say this boastfully. Uh, this is something that I walk in humility in. That that God, I, I try to study the, the Word of God and read the Word of God so much that when I get to the pulpit, I don't I don't want to read from an iPad. I don't want to read from notes. I want the Word to come out of my mouth. Uh, that, that word to have that hit in my heart, in my heart that I've not sinned against thee. And I'm saying that to say this, that Bible studies is the most pro pro prolific way to get the Word of God on the inside of you. That's and good. you'll find out that even in common conversations, you won't need a search for truth chart. You won't need a study manual because the Word of God will come out of your mouth and you will begin to take people through scriptures because it's so ingrained in your mind and so ingrained in your heart that it has no choice but to come out. It has no choice but to come out. Absolutely. I believe that. I believe there's a point where you've absorbed so much and you've allowed you've allowed yourself to be a conduit so many times that yes. you just you just turn that, that spigot on and it just flows. It flows. You can bounce from New Testament to Old Testament, books of the laws, books of the prophets. You can go back and forth to the Word of God, in and out, 
and there's a pure cohesion because the word of God has no contradiction. There's line upon line, precept upon precept. I get excited, man. I get excited just talking about the Bible. I really do. Yeah. Forgive me. Forgive me. No, no, this is awesome. This has been great. This has been great. One last thing. What, you know, um, we've, you know, this podcast has, has surprised us, to be honest. We, we thought it would be something great to put together, but there's been a lot of great feedback and the, the listenership is, is, you know, has been going up and been nothing but good things. Uh, what, what, what is one thing you feel is a very, very valuable lesson that you've learned teaching Bible studies and dealing with people? Um, the most, what would you say, the single most valuable lesson? that you could hand to another Bible study teacher. Let's close out with that. I would say uh, the most valuable lesson for me is to be, is prepare to be prepared. Prepare to be prepared. And what that mean is, means is um, if you're not actively engaged in teaching Bible studies, that should not inhibit you from studying the Word of God and being prepared for if a moment and opportunity wow. presented itself. Um, we encounter people every day. My boss is one of the people that I'm teaching right now. He's a devout Catholic. He's te- he, he, he believes in the Catholicism doctrine 100%, but I've been chiseling away at him just about an hour uh, a day, uh, several times a week at work. You know, he's allowed me to sit down with him and teach him the Word of God. And I prepare to be prepared for every question that he answers the Paul said that you be, be be ready to have an answer for every man that acts of the hope that is within you. And so my my greatest, I think, if I can give one key to people, is be prepared to be prepared. Because you don't know what moment, what opportunity, what window, what door, what chance, what time, what moment that God will put somebody in your path that you can be that 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 word, you can be that seed. That plants one plant, one water, and God give it the increase. Whatever phase of that in, increase of, of the harvest that God wants you to play, whether it's be the seed, plant the seed, whether it's plant is whether it's pour the water, whatever phase of that person's life that God wants you to play a part in, be prepared to be prepared. It's it's what I would tell people because you never know when God wants you to be a witness um, for Him. That that's how that's what that's how. Uh, I feel, and I believe everyone should have that same spirit. There it is, folks. Prepare to be prepared, even if you don't have a Bible study. Man, get in there, get in the Word, study it. And, um, man, once again, Reverend Cornelius Williams, thank you for being on the on the program. And, um, man, we just we hope uh, people will just take what, what you've said today, take it to heart. I really like what you had to say about getting started so young. I think that's major. But, um but last but not least, man, that's beautiful. Prepare to be prepared. All right, folks, ATB, tune in out um, and uh, catch us on the next one.